Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney? Wow, we technology is amazing, huh? I know. Ain't Incredible. That just the swelliest swell there ever swelled. <laughs> Ain't that a kick in the head? Ain't that a kick in the head. <laughs> what a what a strange phrase yep. to have existed. Yep. It's a weird yeah, one. I agree. It's very I kinda I like don't... it. I don't know. <laughs> Are you gonna start saying that now? Well, ain't that a kick in the head, you know? Ain't that a kick in the head. I I don't know. I'd like to know the origins of that one. Um, Maybe I'll do some research on that. Language Mm -hmm. is so interesting, right? Like, those kinds of expressions are just just a a joy. I hope you do start saying that, and I hope people give you funny looks. Yeah, I'm going to try to to regularly work myself into that. Mm -hmm. Like, what are other bygone phrases that are just... Like, they're not dated because they are offensive, but they're dated just because, like, that's a strange expression. Why did people say um, that? The he- I don't know. The heebie-jeebies. Yep. Like, the cat's pajamas, the bees. Oh, bees, there you go. That. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could probably look up, like, a whole list of, like, 40s and 50s lingo. I feel like I mm-hmm. know more, like, 60s and 70s, like, groovy, that kind of thing. Copacetic. Yeah. Very, like, I feel like... later... Yeah, I feel like a lot of Cole Porter songs are just like four minute long <laughs> songs about a f- piece of slang yes. from the time he was writing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, or maybe brilliant. maybe Cole Porter songs then became the slang. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. One way or the other. Which came first, the phrase Chicken or Cole or the Porter? Egg. Yeah. <laughs> um, the phrase or Cole Porter? <laughs> That, yeah. that you can also start saying. That would be fun. Instead of which came first, the chicken or the egg? Everyone would <laughs> the phrase or Cole Porter. Like eight heads. Yeah. I think that would yeah. be fun. I don't, I don't know that anybody would get it. Uh, <laughs> no, that's probably <laughs> It's a very specific. To this podcast would get it, but not that you interact with a lot of those I was going to say, I don't, I, don't, I don't actually know anyone that listens to our podcast. <laughs> That's I fair. know people, I know we have people that listen, but yes. none of them are my friends personally. I know none of my actual friends I see in my real life listen to said podcast. Yep. No one is quite as obsessed with Boy Meets Worlds as I yeah. am. So mm-hmm. a lot of people like casually listen to an episode that they enjoy, but I don't think anyone that I know listens on like a regular weekly basis. Oh, and you if know you what? do, tell me. Paul, does Paul listen on Paul, a regular weekly Paul basis? Listens- I don't know that he listens oh. every week, but there was a period of time where he was listening every week. I don't know if he still does, but he'll text me every now and then about something I say on the podcast. So he does listen. <laughs> so thanks, Paul. I appreciate thanks, you. Paul, the real MVP. That, that is why you are among the best men at my wedding. Oh. That's Scrap not Scrap whoever I have as the MVP of this episode. It's actually Paul. It's actually Paul. What if that now was he's going to have to listen reason. to this one. <laughs> right you're you're gonna be like please please listen I'm gonna, to tell, I'm gonna tell him to go listen to this one specifically <laughs> this is the feeny call the girls room <laughs> this is the girls room it's been a minute since we've done it i know we've done it a lot before I but I feel like it's been a minute so i just wanted to throw it out there yeah people who are just joining us for the first time we're not always this annoying but occasionally we are very yeah, just very wait true. until we get tired of this podcast and start our Amanda Show podcast. Yes! Uh, <laughs> yes! 
I'm still like, I'm still on the Sabrina train. I definitely do a first watch like Sabrina. You've already seen it. I watch it for the first time. I still think that's oh, a good yeah. idea. Yeah, I that would be fun. Sabrina, I do love it. We are talking about Boy Meets World, season five, episode seven. I love you, Donna Karen. My uh, fun fact for the day, actually, Hillary gave us a gave us a call earlier this week and uh, asked this question, which I think a lot of people may not know this, but Donna Karen is a handbag designer. And so the reason that it's I love you, Donna Karen, is because Sean is falling in love with kind of this purse, which is a symbol for this person. But obviously, I don't know exactly when Donna Karen started when she really rose to fame. But especially if you were living in the 90s, you know who Donna Karen is. You're on the recap. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay. Three, two, one. So Sean and Angela start seeing each other, but Sean has a two-week rule. Topanga thinks it's stupid, but Sean lets Angela go. Eventually, they find this purse in the hallway that's unclaimed, and Sean starts to go through it. He finds this book of poetry and a Van Damme ticket and this sexy chapstick and he's like falling in love with this girl he finally is like i don't know if i can uh meet up with her and um so he goes anyway girl ends up having a boyfriend but angela actually was the one who was borrowing the purse so it was angela all along meanwhile eric and jack um are studying for a test and i think i'm out of time I think you are. I wasn't looking, but I'm pretty sure that was 30 seconds. I was going to say, I looked down and it was, it was 30 seconds, right? As I was like, "Eh, anyway, they're studying for a test and uh, fake Feeny comes to, Mm -hmm. the imaginary Feeny comes to help Eric. And that's how, that's, that's that on that. It was Angela all along. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I might have to make that video. It was Angela (laughs) all along. (laughs) Amazing. Worlds combining. I'm going to be making WandaVision references for the next year or so. Yes. All that to say, I love Angela so much. I think she's brilliant. And we haven't even really scraped the surface. But even from the get-go, that opening scene where Sean is like, you're taking this surprisingly easy. And she's like, well, of course, you said two weeks. So I didn't get emotionally invested beyond two weeks. And just the emotional maturity that she has in that moment where she's like, of course, like, I'm sad that we're not seeing each other anymore. Like, I'm disappointed because I enjoy hanging out with you. But like, you, you set the boundary. And I'm respecting that boundary. And she just is wonderful from that from that moment on. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. She's a gem. What'd you learn? I learned, uh, I think, meh, meh. I didn't really pull that much from this episode either but what I have is basically it's very which I think I've actually said before it's hard to put yourself out there specifically romantically but in other ways as well but it's worth it sometimes it's worth it which we'll see in the next episode obviously we don't get that satisfaction in this episode because Sean is still left hanging that's the problem with the two-parter is especially since we've already seen it we know how it ends but we're, ha- we're not quite there yet, but it's it's tough to put yourself on the line, but it can be worth it, as Sean will experience in the in the next episode. And he did experience the whole, it's tough to put yourself on the line in this episode. And I would say that as far as the B-plot goes, it's, 
I mean, Eric and Jack are facing something that's a little different. It's not necessarily romantic, but like Eric's freaking out about college tests and things like that. And it's hard to go in there. You can study all you want, but like you can have a lot of anxiety around taking a test. And he still goes in there, gives it his best shot and ends up with a B. Yeah. If I were to pull the two of them together, the like idea or the fear of failure is not an excuse to not try in that. Sean's two-week rule is really, you know, as we discover towards the end, a coping defense mechanism so that he doesn't ever have to get hurt. And likewise with Eric, if like, if I don't try, then I won't get hurt because I didn't try, right? Like, and then mm-hmm. so like, when I fail, it's because that was like what I wanted to do, basically. Yes. Uh, whereas it's much more disappointing to try and then fail with, in regards to the romance, right? The only, the cynics view is like the only way your, your love for someone ends is in death or death or heartbreak, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like there's no, sure. there's no other way for romance to, and love to, to end those. It will be one of those things eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, be in 65 years or something or <laughs> you know it could be two weeks it could be uh you know a very long time so yeah, yeah the idea uh, i think i've talked about this before there's that you know quote i really love is like the price of love is lost right which is a, a next normal thing i've always liked that quote because it's just this idea that like it, or like just the the idea of a loss should never stop you from from seeking a love Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um there's so many cliches that are popping into my mind like better to have loved and lost than never loved at all and of course don't let fear striking out keep you from playing the game all of that yeah which is like how i look at a lot i don't know you know it's in and if you broaden out your lens on that then it has a lot to do with like doing anything in life has risk and danger right (laughs) i was talking to the three-year-old the other day that are any about something. She said something was dangerous. Yes. I was like, I mean, yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, that's a little dangerous, but like, it doesn't mean we can't do it. It just means like we need to do it carefully, maybe, right? Like, sure. I was like, knives can be dangerous, but like, I use a knife in the kitchen every single day. I just need to like put my head on and do it carefully. And so, like, mm-hmm. that's, and I was like, everything in life is sort of dangerous. Yeah. Life is dangerous. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean you don't do it. Which is like an interesting thing when it comes to like teaching kids is we, I feel like people, parents and, and caregivers spend a lot of time telling kids like not to do a thing because it's dangerous. And like, yeah, there are some things I'm going to tell you not to do because it's dangerous, i.e. playing in the middle of the street. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, things that could actually sure. get you killed. <laughs> right, like that's dangerous and you shouldn't do it. Yes. Um. There are other things that are like, hey, that's dangerous. Like, you know, be, do it carefully. And mm-hmm. so I think it's like, it's this thing where maybe you need to like adjust your knee jerk reaction of like, okay, I see you doing a thing and that's fine. Just do it carefully as opposed yes. to like, no, don't do that. It's dangerous. Because mm-hmm. maybe most of the time that is the response is like, hey, do it carefully, not don't do it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which again is then when it comes to love, like do it carefully, not don't do it. Yeah. And I think this season's Angela is do it carefully, not don't do it later when she goes through her whole like 
panic because she thinks she's going to turn out like her mom, then she kind of turns into don't do it. I feel like she and Sean kind of flip roles in that regard, where at first Sean is like, no, I'm not going to. And then eventually he's trying to like talk her into, into it. And then she doesn't necessarily talk him into it, but she's like, yeah, I'll try this thing with you. And then later she's like, no, I can't. Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting dynamic flip there that I'm just now discovering as I Mm -hmm. think about it. Yeah. I, I mean, I am excited to get into the second part of this episode, but I do love just this first part because I think this also is the first time that we see Sean coming into this more, I don't want to say artsy side, but just kind of the more vulnerable and, I mean, as he goes through and he's like reading this poetry, it's making him feel things and he's feeling the music, the classical music that he's listening to, which like, I get it. I get the same way about Vivaldi where I'm like dancing around with the invisible violin. I get it. (laughs) I saw a four before the pandemic hit the month before the pandemic hit. I went and saw a string quartet do the four seasons and it was so good. It was just beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely love this kind of beginning of this evolution for Sean, because I think this is the first time that we see him open up to more of an artistic side that he didn't really know that he had or never tried to explore. And this feeds into where we get with him, where he's a poet and he's a writer and he does all of these things that he used to in past seasons say, no, not for me. Don't like that. Don't care about it. Mm-hmm. I do like that for him. Yeah, I agree. For any Psych fans out there, we get an appearance by Sykes Juliet, played by Maggie Lawson. Oh, I, um, I have only seen like two or three episodes of Psych, so I didn't oh, remember really? that. But yeah. Okay, so yeah, she plays Jules or Juliet on Psych, mm-hmm. and she is the what's her name that Topanga brings over. Uh, the aerobics instructor daddy the the 16 year old aerobics instructor right how how is she an aerobics instructor yes 16 17 i know unless she's like older than they are she could be like in college maybe like a freshman in college i don't know i guess i don't know but that's maggie lawson of psych among i think she's also like been in a lot of hallmark movies i mean she's done plenty of stuff she has a a, it's a very successful career Mm -hmm. but it's probably best known for playing jewels on psych which i do love psych so much (laughs) we here's the thing you're supposed to kind of hate her You're supposed Mm -hmm. to be like, ah, this girl isn't, she's kind of obnoxious. She doesn't really want to listen to the music or the poetry or whatever. But Sean is being very aggressive. Yeah, Sean's being a dick. Yeah, (laughs) he's really pushing this, like, we're going to be, you're going to love this classical music. We're going to have this experience together. He's trying to push all that on her. And she's like, this is not what I'm into. And we're supposed to not like her. But all in all honesty, I'm like, she's fine. I don't like you, Sean. You're being very aggressive. Sean's being wildly aggressive with like, hey, I just discovered this shit. Isn't it amazing? And it's like, all right, I'm glad you're excited. But like, I don't know, man. She's just clearly got different tastes, okay? And like you had different tastes yesterday, so respect Exactly. (laughs) That's the thing is if if he were just to be like, and yeah, I just got into this. Have you listened to it? But it's the fact that he's like, listen to this, feel it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, this is like some like, 
eighth date shit, this is not a first date. Like, do you forget mm-hmm. how to act around people, Sean? I don't understand why you're forcing this down her throat. Yeah, and, yeah. and especially because he just got into it. Like, he doesn't know mm-hmm. really much about it at all. He starts so. reading poetry to her, and I was like, nobody yes. wants this. <laughs> I, exactly. I feel like even I love, I'm big poetry fan as much as the next guy. But like, if someone started reading me poetry on the first date, I'd be like, this is a little much. Yeah, hell no. I'm not sure how I feel about this. It's a little bizarre. I'd be like, I, a I, serial killer? I enjoy I, these some poetry, but I don't really need anyone to read it to me. Like if I go to a poetry reading, that's one thing, but I've never, I've never had the desire for a romantic partner to like read me poetry. Oh, I, here's the thing. I do love reading aloud to each other. Like not even in a romantic relationship. I had a best friend where we would uh, bike down to the lake when we were in high school and we would read to each other, just like regular books or fairy tales and things like that. And I love reading aloud to, Hmm. to another person. Cause I grew up doing that with my parents. We had a 30 minute commute to school. And so we would read in the car to mm-hmm. each other and so i love that concept but not on a first date yeah not at all on a first date sure totally. <laughs> i'd be like uh, stop well especially poetry that's very like the things that sean is feeling in this episode he goes on to say like i'm in love with this person i'm like okay you're in love with a concept you don't know this person that's mm-hmm. very that's a lot and he's he is he's this. very textbook in love with the idea of whoever this is. Yes. And he and the poetry, especially that he's even reading, is very he's reading it with the intense emotion of like, I am in love with this concept, this idea. And so not only is it weird in a sense of like, why are you reading poetry on a first date to another person? But it's also like the passion that he's reading it with and the emotion uh-huh. that he's putting behind it. It's like, are you what are you, what's going on? <laughs> what's happening? It's are you in much. love with me? Is that what you're saying? Because we just met, so this yeah. is a lot. Are you familiar with the TV show from MTV, Room Raiders? No, but I, yeah. as you say it, I have a vague memory of it existing, but I don't think I ever watched it. All right, so Room Raiders was a concept where a person was brought to another person's bedroom mm. and got to, like, poke around the person's bedroom and make judgments based on their bedroom if they wanted to like date them or not. Mm, okay. Which is what this episode kind of makes me think of. On a smaller scale, yes, absolutely. Well, and I feel like this is also based on I don't even like I I, I don't I, maybe there's like some like psychology study or some other reality show where it was like the contents of a person's purse or bag and like make a judgment if you wanted to go on a date with them i can't remember exactly i feel like there is there is something there but yeah room raiders was an mtv show that ran in the 90s for like six years or something where yeah a person was like shown someone's bedroom and then like got to make the call on if they wanted to like go on a date with them or whatever based on their bedroom which i again, don't hate that as a concept there. for a show sorry what yeah. were you saying no, I don't know. I don't, it's interesting for sure. It It's, in my opinion, it feels only applicable to, like, teenagers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's uh, fair. Because, like, I I don't, I don't know. Well, but even, I, like, 
Uh, I feel like as well, not now that I'm in my like mid twenties, it's different. But even in my early twenties, I feel like I would have maybe been moderately interested. Cause if you walk into a guy's room and it's just like a mattress on the floor and he's got like a a poster of Scarface above his bed, I'm just like, no, I don't want to go on a date with this guy. Sorry, (laughs) not about it. But like, that's that's like every 21 somethings bedroom that you go into. So I feel like it's almost better. I, well, I feel like it would be good for like that, like, yes, teenagers, but also like right in that like college age, like yeah. early 20s. I think it was, I think it was probably done mostly with college students, actually. Sure, uh, sure, sure. Yeah, I feel like that's it. like, that's like a good age for it. Yeah. So interesting. I don't hate that as a concept for a show. There are a lot of MTV well, shows go that check I'm it like, out. dear God, but yeah. that I don't hate, especially since it's just date. It's not like necessarily it's not like i don't know whatever where they get married not love is blind where they have to get married by the end of it or whatever that's weird that's too much they're like 90 90 day fiance ah yeah that drives me crazy that i'm like "Mm -mm, hate that Mm -hmm. don't like that but this is interesting because it's very low stakes it's just like a date that's it you know you can go on a second one if you want and if you don't want to you don't have to so i Mm -hmm. i kind of i'm not i'm not against this Mm-hmm. As far as the B plot goes, we're back to the giant clothes swallowing Jack again. I feel like we were <laughs> almost in the clear of that, and then all of a sudden he shows up in that kind of jersey material shirt. I don't know if it's like, it's kind of like it looks like a jersey, but I think it was velvet in the middle. I don't remember, but it's mm-hmm. huge. It's huge on him. Like three of him could fit in that shirt. Why did they pick that for him? Who is? Who is his costumer? I just have questions. Also, we have the balcony again. Oh yeah. Vaguely, yeah. Uh, we. It's, the balcony. They do. Yeah. Reference. It's not obviously the big wide balcony shot that we got two episodes ago, but still, I mean, the balcony is still there. I like the continuity. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy with it. Mm-hmm. Although Jack walks in at one point and he doesn't close the door all the way. And I was like, oh, close the door. <laughs> close the door behind you. <laughs> also, Eric just leaves his eggs at the very end. He like pours milk in there and I would assume oh, he goes yeah. back to like scramble it. And then he just yeah. leaves it. I was Man, like, that alone, you're absolutely right. Don't leave your eggs. What are mm-hmm. you doing? I mean, they already looked like bad eggs, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Yeah. I. I, I have I'm pretty I have pretty strict opinions on scrambled eggs though so maybe <laughs> I stay away from that. Um, when you do you all right first let me ask you this do you make scrambled eggs ever? I make omelets more than I make scrambled eggs but yes I make scrambled eggs. When you make scrambled eggs do you scramble do you crack the egg in the pan and then scramble it or do you scramble it like in a bowl and then pour it into the pan? Scramble it in a bowl and then pour it into the pan. Correct. Good. Yes. <laughs> do, that is the correct add, answer. You passed the test. <laughs> do you add milk milk to your scrambled eggs? I don't. I don't. I used to, and I, I have uh-huh. since better. Yep. Uh, I, I feel like I used to as well, but it made them almost like a creamy texture, mm-hmm. and I can't stand creamy eggs. No, I want like a fluffy, fluffy scrambled egg. Okay, great. I, I don't like I don't know I don't like scrambling eggs in the pan like people that, like if you crack it in the pan and then scramble it it's like I feel like it's way better if you put it in a bowl and you scramble it with a fork and then that way yes. you whip some air into there and make some fluffier. Mm-hmm. It's just way more even too. It's just yeah. more even. Uh huh. I agree. Okay. Good. 
<laughs> We're on the same page. Great. Awesome. Oh, I also, the scene where sh- the girl, so they're at Chubby's. Sean just started playing the classical music. He's, he sets the purse down on the table. He's waiting. This girl comes down and it's the most awkward exchange potentially that has ever happened on the show. Incredibly. I don't understand what she is doing necessarily because she walks down the stairs she's like looking around obviously looking for her purse and then she like slowly approaches if it were me i'd be like did are you the one who found my purse thank you so much and then if my boyfriend were to come down i'd be like hey i found my purse or like sean found my or whoever this person is found my purse and i'd be like excited about it um as opposed to like awkwardly like strolling up like sensually strolling up to Sean. And then as soon as her boyfriend comes down, she just completely ignores the interaction she was about to have and goes and kisses her boyfriend. It's just bizarre. It's just the weirdest interaction. I don't understand what she was doing, but I completely agree. It makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's like, I don't know, maybe they wanted it to be like this little like silent play type scene which, like, I guess works, and, like, they communicate everything they need to, but it's fucking weird. <laughs> yes, and there's no sense of urgency, I guess, for her. There's just a sense of... <laughs> there's not even a sense of gratitude, really, in her. It's just, oh, there's my purse. Okay. Slowly walks over. I There, there should be, like, a look of, thank you, you found my purse. Or even, I, I don't know, I'd be like, where did you find it? Or... I, I don't know. I would want to have a conversation with the person that found my belongings, regardless of whether or not my boyfriend just showed up. He taps me on the shoulder. I'm like, oh, hey, this person found my purse. Where'd you find it, by the way? I, there needs to be a conversation that happens that just does not happen at all. It's just, it's very strange. Absolutely. So I feel kind of bad for Sean for from the perspective that he has of his dad and the women who have walked out on him because he, the reason obviously that he's not going for it with the purse person is because he's afraid of getting his heart broken, which we've established. But then he goes on to talk about watching his dad get his heart broken by all these women who he's like, not good. He says something about he's not good enough or he has this, image in his mind that he's not good enough or something to that effect and I'm like I understand how you could perceive that especially as the son of this person you want to be on your dad's side but there's so much more happening that Sean just doesn't realize yet and it makes me kind of sad for him that he's getting this like one-sided like my dad thinks he's not good enough but he is I'm like there's a lot more happening that you don't understand yet with these, with your mother and with Mm -hmm. Jack's mother and with, well, your biological mother. And so, yeah, I kind of feel bad for him because he's saying this and I'm like, it's just a more complicated situation than he understands. So my heart kind of goes out to him while they're having that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I don't think it's un. I think it's unfair how much he lashes out in the end too. Yes. Well, and he's like, stay out of my personal life, and I'm like, isn't that the entire point of friendship? Is <laughs> yeah. to like know the other person on a very personal level. Isn't that mm-hmm. what brings us together as friends? Why yeah, are yeah. you? 
Yes, he is very upset. And uh, Sean is, listen, of all the people who overreact in the show, Sean is probably at the top of the list of overreactors, mm-hmm. obviously followed by Corey, but mm-hmm. definitely an overreaction. <laughs> Huge overreaction. Big mistake. Huge. Big mistake. Huge. <laughs> I don't know why that just came no, it's good. It's a That's a gem right there. Well, do you have anything else for us, for the kids at home? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, it's a good time. It's fine. It's a two-parter. We'll talk more about it next time, you know, that they, the conclusion of it all and how it all comes together. I think it's weird that Corey uses the lip gloss. Let me just throw that out there. Yeah, that's definitely not <laughs> COVID-friendly. Just sticks his <laughs> finger right in there and puts it on his yeah. mouth. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, how is Kiwi Mango the forbidden? It's like forbidden love or something like that. I'm like, of all mm-hmm. things kiwi mango to me that just says tropical vacation i'm like i don't think that says forbidden love in Mm -hmm. any way (laughs) yeah also do Um, you think that sean i mean obviously it it starts as just a search for id but do you think sean should have started going through all of this person's personal belongings oh you know what so when i i use okay so let me roll the things back when i was in high school I don't know. There was like a pretty, pretty serious, well-respected idea that like you're never gonna go through a girl's purse. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was like very true for for me and my friends. It was like never go through a girl's purse. Um, although I do also think that like if I stumbled on this, I'd be like I would look for a wallet or an ID. If I didn't yeah. find said wallet or ID, I would probably look through other things for like a name on a book or something like that to try mm-hmm. to like find out whose it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I wouldn't have kept it. Like I would have, if I couldn't find any ID, I would have then just brought it to like the lost and found and be done. Yeah. That's another How thing. Do you feel? I agree. I 100% agree. I'd probably look for an ID. If I didn't find an ID, look at the book of poetry try to find a name, uh, something to that effect. But yeah, then give it to the lost and found. And I I don't understand how they are in a high school without a lost and found question mark. I understand Feeney's sarcastic response when they ask him if there's a lost and found or if he can take it or whatever. I love that. But also I'm like, mm-hmm. there needs to be a little bit of a follow-up because there's no way in hell that they're, they go to this high school with no lost and found. Just take it to the office, like the you know, administrative office or whatever and say that here's this thing, someone lost it. And so I think obviously it got, it was taken a step too far because they shouldn't have gone through everything that they did go through. But yes, I agree. I probably would have gone through some of the belongings to see if, especially as a female, I think it's it's also different. If I stumbled across like a bunch of boys going through my stuff, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But if I stumbled across like a girl going through my stuff, she'd be like, oh, I was I was just looking for ID. It's like I know she has all of those things in her purse, so uh, she knows what to expect. But it feels right. Well, that's the other thing I couldn't help think about. Like, what if she walks over? She's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> as like Corey's putting on the fucking lip gloss too i'd be like what fucking creeps (laughs) yeah exactly could really lose some uh some points there definitely agree i'm glad that 
I'm glad that it's found at the end, but yeah, it's a little weird that they like go through everything as, as in depth as they do. I'm surprised that, well, Topanga wasn't around for most of this episode, but I'm surprised Topanga wasn't like, you went through her purse. What are you doing? Are you crazy? Why would you do that? That's an invasion of privacy. Like, I'm a little surprised mm-hmm. we didn't get any of that from her, but she also wasn't around when they did it. So I guess there's only so much you can say after the fact. Sure. Who's your MVP? It's Corey, actually. And I think the reason is because Sean, obviously, Corey is supportive of him at the beginning um, (laughs) in his decision to, like, go through the purse and find the person and whatever. And then as he helps kind of put things in perspective for Sean as far as, like, this, you're not in love with a person. You're in love with this concept. In order to be in love with this person you need to meet them and, and helps him realize that there's more than just pining after this person's purse. And I also like the fact that he's like, you need to go meet them. Sean's like, I can't do it. You do it. And he's like, this is the only way that this is going to happen for you. I'm not going to like go do your, all the work for you. This isn't how this works. So I do appreciate Corey in this episode. Um, for the mo- other than the lip gloss thing. <laughs> yes, I do appreciate Corey's role in this episode towards Sean and kind of putting things back on track for him. I agree. I think Corey's the MVP here um, in that he, uh, his misstep with the lip gloss can be overlooked for his yes. um, better support of like appropriately, I don't know, pushing Sean um, mm-hmm. in, in to get into, into this sort of stuff. And yeah, I think... Uh, Corey, whew, excuse me. <laughs> Do you need to take a nap? Um, I, maybe. Uh, yeah, he's got a good little bit of maturity here. I think it's, yeah, I think he does a good <laughs> job, generally speaking. I do hate his description of love, where he's like, there are bunnies there, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's, mm-hmm. that feels very high school, but I appreciate yeah, his. Yeah, it always does, where oh. he waxes romantic about how he knows so much about love. So. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> But I do appreciate the fact that he has a little bit of emotional maturity to say, like, I feel like it could be, it could have gone another way where they both sit and like obsess over this. And they're like, what if she does this? What if she likes this? Uh And they're like sitting like, uh, like having a sleepover and talking about it. But I don't know if teenage boys do that kind of thing, but you never know. But yes, he, he takes it in the other direction where it's like, no, I'm not going to sit around and like fantasize about this person with you unless you go meet this person, because that's just not how this works. You're being creepy and stop it. (laughs) So yeah, I do appreciate maturity. a shrewd little observer of the human condition. (laughs) Um, Some of the time. (laughs) Yes. Well, to be continued, you know? Yes! Our thrilling conclusion next week. Since it's been a while since I've watched the show, I'm actually excited to watch this upcoming episode because I don't remember a whole lot of it. I don't remember how they get together. I think Sean and, or uh, Topanga and Corey are going to tell Sean. I think that's where we're going to like pick up is them telling Sean and I honestly don't remember what else happens. So we'll see. Great. You can find us on the internet. We're there at the Feeny Call podcast on Instagram, at Feeny Call on Twitter and Facebook. 
rate and review and like and subscribe and all those good things on Apple Podcasts because that helps us uh, get the word out and tell all of your friends. Even if they don't watch Boy Meets World, just be like, you know what? It's still a good time. <laughs> mm-hmm. None of this is going to make sense to you, but still. Mm-hmm. No. But we'd love to have them anyway. Thanks, y'all, for listening. We appreciate it. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll be back next week for the thrilling conclusion of this exciting two-parter. Yay! Ooh! (laughs) Ooh! A quiet woo. As always, class dismissed.